the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Donald Trump enjoyed a sizable lead over Nikki Haley heading into today's Republican primary in South Carolina. Even though South Carolina is Haley's home state where she previously served as governor, polls show the former president as a runaway favorite in the GOP primary. According to the Real Clear Politics average of polls, Trump was leading Haley by 25 percentage points in South Carolina. That's White House correspondent Greg Cluxton reporting. Senator Tom Cotton says he's been predicting U.S. support for Israel and its war against Hamas would waver, even though President Biden began as a strong advocate for Israel. But I had no confidence that Joe Biden would give them that time and freedom of action, despite his early and positive rhetoric. And that's, of course, what we began to see just weeks after the attack. Cotton says the president has been swayed by domestic political concerns because many pro-Hamas Democrats oppose even limited support for Israel. This is SRN News. There are no words to describe it. The isolation the boredom, the loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. There are progressive forces and organizations dividing us as a people and as a country. They stoke hatred and division to hide the real problems and keep us angry. We've seen this pattern repeat itself over and over again. We have to take a new course. And now's the time to return to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. Over half of black students in Minneapolis public schools are failing. But black students in the same neighborhoods who attend private faith-based schools perform above national averages. Every parent should have the choice and the right to send their child to a safe and excellent school. And today, nearly 80% of black children in the Twin Cities live day-to-day without their father. That's four out of every five. Take Charge Minnesota believes that America works for everyone, regardless of race or social standing. Get more information by going to TakeChargeMN.com. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is aglow whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back. Second hour, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Um, 651-289-4477. I actually inverted the two hours because the hour I just did of the show doesn't necessarily tie on to this one because i wanted them to be able to i want i want the biz to be able to use that that episode uh we're going to mark that as an evergreen uh to be used uh, at other times when i'm when i'm traveling um this is more your current economic news hour of the king banyan show and it was not a big week for data if i go and look at the uh at the information that came out this week the biggest pieces of data were from the purchasing manager index on on Thursday, which kind of gave us a muddle. Services services PMI came in a little less than expected at fifty one point three. Previous previous month was at fifty two and a half, and uh, the expectation was for fifty two point four. So fifty one three, not good, not good at all. But on the other side. The manufacturing PMI came in above normal, uh, above above previous month uh, at 51.5 versus 50.7 and an expectation of 50.1. Neither of those indicators uh, are consistent with a recession call. And I think that's driving a lot of people to give up on an inflation forecast uh, going forward. The other big piece of data for the week... Um, the other big piece of data for the week, uh, in my mind at least, uh, was U.S. leading economic indicators. So coming out of the long President's Day weekend, the conference board puts out leading economic indicators and announces for the first time in over three years that a recession is no longer expected by LEI. Um it is very interesting that they do this because it was a negative read. I'll go back and read you. This is this is the I'm going to go all the way back to the top. I'm going to read you the press release uh, that came out Tuesday morning. Um, this is from uh, Justina Zabinska Labonica, who is uh, the senior manager of the of the uh, business cycles indicator uh, work at the conference board. The U.S. LEI fell further in January as weekly hours worked in manufacturing continued to decline and the yield spread remained negative. While the declining LEI continues to signal headwinds to the economic activity, for the first time in the past two years, six out of its ten components were positive contributors over the past six months ending in January 2024, as a result, leading economic indicators does not signal recession ahead. While no longer forecasting a recession in 2024, we do expect real GDP growth to slow to near zero over quarter two and quarter three. So, no recession, but 
it's it's not going to feel great. Uh, I will note that uh, if you look at the GDP now numbers for quarter one, Bank of America is currently forecasting 1% growth for the quarter ending uh, in on March 31st. Goldman's at 2.4% and the Atlanta now uh, the Atlanta's uh, GDP now now cast is at 2.9%. So <coughs> excuse me. All of the indicators are lining up to a place where GDP is expected to be positive in quarter 1 and we're saying no recession. But Leading economic indicators has had a negative read, and I'm going back to look at this. I tweeted to you at Pound KBRS <coughs> the uh, report from uh, Advisors Perspectives uh, done by uh, Jennifer Nash, uh, and and looking at it, that this still again has dropped. It's at 102.7. The index, the LEI, is its lowest reading since May of 2020. Okay, so if I look at the way they do this, I'm going to read you the 10 items that are in there. Average weekly hours in manufacturing. Average weekly initial claims for unemployment insurance. Manufacturers new orders for consumer goods and materials. The index for new orders. Manufacturers new orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft orders. Building permits for new private housing units. The S&P index of stock prices, leading credit index, an interest rate spread, and average consumer expectations for business conditions. If I look at those data, again, as I said, six of the ten are up for the month, uh, are up for the last six months if I look at them. But they're all up by these tiny amounts. That leading credit index over the last six months at 0.07, at uh, at uh, stock prices up uh, 0.26. These are their contributions using some statistical techniques to standardize how you measure those. Uh, building permits up a tiny amount. Um, and then those other measures for new orders for capital goods, for consumer goods, and the unemployment insurance numbers were all positive. But if I look at the month itself if i look at the month itself and say how many of those were down just for the single month the interest rate spread is still negative okay the average consumer expectations for business conditions is negative um the the uh institute of supply managers index for new orders negative private housing negative weekly hours negative Okay, and then the other three are simply unknown for the last three months, but they might actually register negative. It seems to me pretty remarkable that Conference Board has now abandoned a recession call that it made for almost two years. It is as if they have been pulled by popular opinion in the opinion of other forecasters, away from a recession call. I'll put it bluntly. I am not convinced, based on the data that they report, that they should have abandoned their their recession call. I know it's odd to be stuck out there on the edge saying, saying, I still think there's a possible recession. 
the language I use when I talk about recession has been, I thought a recession was probable last year, meaning that I thought it was a better than 50-50 chance. I think a recession is possible this year, meaning I think it's a less than 50-50 chance, but it's more than just a little bit. Okay? More than just a... It's... If you think of there being, on average, in the background for any given year that you pull out of a hat, a 1 in 10 chance that that's that's a year in which a recession happens. I think you're at 25 to 30% chance that a recession happens this year. That means it's possible, but not probable. It means it's more likely than in an average year. I still say that's true. But to have people come out and say, no recession, no recession, no recession, I find that an odd thing to say. On this, at, the, at the same breath... I think you have to argue that a recession is that just to the extent that recession is possible but not probable. I think you have to say an acceleration of inflation or at least a stagnating decline in the inflation rate so that we actually get to the point where inflation gets stuck above the 2% target. And maybe even get stuck around 3%. As pointed out also in that podcast, we play, the, a clip of which we paid in the last hour. Right now, if you go to bet on the financial futures markets about what the direction of the Fed's changes are, you can get extremely great prices on a contract that would pay you if the next move of the Fed funds rate was up rather than down. Do I think that's going to happen? Heck no. I don't think that's going to happen. But if you think in terms of probabilities and you think to yourself, well, if I could bet a penny to get me a dollar if the Fed was to raise rates sometime in 2024, would I bet that penny? I can tell you this, I would. If someone was willing to offer me right now, I will give you a dollar if the Fed funds rate doesn't change between now and the end of the year. You give me a hundred dollars, excuse me, doesn't go up if there's not one rate hike in the next six. If there's not one rate hike in the next six meetings of, seven meetings of FOMC, I will give you a dollar. If there is one in the next seven meetings, you will give me a hundred dollars. Would you make that bet? I could talk myself into that. And that's how I want to think about it. Uh, If you've ever read uh, Annie Duke's book, Thinking in Bets, thinking in terms of probabilities. Okay, Annie Duke uh, is a psychologist and uh, a professional poker player. And she talks about how do you think in bets? If if I offered you 100 to 1 odds, and said, "You can bet me a dollar. You send me a dollar at the end of at the after the last Fed Fed FOMC meeting. If there's been no raise in rates in, in the last seven, I'll say a hundred dollars if there is. Would you offer me your dollar? I know, I would. Would I bet a ton on it? 
No. Would I offer you, would I make that bet at $1,000 versus a million or a hundred thousand, excuse me? 1,000 versus a hundred thousand? Probably not. I'm probably not willing to risk that kind of money. But at a, fa- a fairly small, because I'm, I'm risk averse. I don't like betting big chunks of money. But a dollar? Ten dollars? Yeah. I could imagine that. That's how you want to think about, in my mind, that allows you to think both about the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns, as we talked about in the last hour. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, like the biggest savings around at our half-off deals tab. Click on programs to see your daily lineup, win prizes at the VIP fan club, catch up on your favorite podcasts, and more. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with a feel-better-or-your-money-back guarantee. That number, 1-800-4-RELIEF. ReliefFactor.com. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness? Is your healing power a simple heartfelt letter or being a volunteer? It is estimated that over a half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with PTSD and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day. Our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. At HealVets.org, you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals, volunteers, therapy kits, and more. Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. You need to call the police, you need to call your father, and you need to get you and your son away from this guy. We're going to remove the trespasser. I want a fixie. That's why I want to sell my home, and I just want to be no, able to No, 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 honey, honey, we don't need to call a realtor. We need to get the boyfriend out of the house, and that's going to involve the police. You and your son are in danger. You have to get away from this guy. Listen, you are worth being okay. Direct, honest, helpful. The Ramsey Show, live on the Biz 1440, weekdays 1 to 4. You need to call the police, you need to call your father, and you need to get you and your son away from this guy. I want to fix it, that's why I want to sell my home, and I just want to be no, able to No, get no, no honey, honey, we don't need to call a realtor. You and your son are in danger. Direct, honest, The Ramsey Show, weekdays 1 to 4. 
Wait for it. Just a little bit more. I was probably 14, and I could do that. <laughs> I had not switched to bass yet, and I could still do that particular riff on the guitar. Someone play that for Mitch Berg this afternoon on a, over on our sister station, AM 1280, The Patriot. I absolutely adore that song. And dang near nobody remembers who that was. Uh, Mitch will. Don't worry. Uh, 651-289-4477, number call, questions and comments. Um, um, it, yeah, it's urgent. Uh, that's the that's the band. Uh, I own that one, too. See, Spencer somehow has gotten in my head and imagines all the albums I used to play as in high school and college, and he plays them for me during the show. He gets me excited, particularly when I'm working through uh, a, sinus, a sinus issue. Um, luckily, so far, not an infection. Thank God. Because uh, if it was, I would not be here. But I am here, and the reason we're here is because we're we're talking about this hour, um, the conflicting signals that we are getting in this still post-pandemic economy. We cannot forget. We just cannot forget that we are still living in the consequences of 2020. So that you get things like, like high money supply growth that's working through the system and the fact that you know you've got people out there you've got forecasters out there telling you but the money supply has been declining for over over a year now so this inflation just absolutely positively has to go away because we know growth in inflation is a function of growth in the money supply and i'm like well yeah but it works with a lag and it's very possible it's very possible that we simply haven't exhausted all of the inflation that's out there yet. Um, remember, just last, just a week ago, we were here on the show doing basically the Inflation Saturday show where we told you about CPI and PPI. Next week, we'll get uh, the, uh, the, the PCE number uh, for personal consumption expenditures, the other inflation number that, and the one that the Fed announces as its preferred measure for inflation. We'll have that. Um, coming up here uh, next week on the show. But you had this bad retail sales report a week and a half ago. And people were like, well, yeah, but that was the weather. You know, that was the weather. <coughs> and and it's just very hard for me to say that you can do any kind of realistic forecasting right now without caveating the heck out of things and just saying you know all the relationships that we had built based on previous information aren't necessarily working very well right now because this is a different environment it'd be like taking the models you use to forecast weather on earth and thinking yeah we can adapt these these will work on mars it's not like that it's just significantly different so I don't have too much in terms of what most people are saying, macro uh, forecasting types. I do have this one. Um, this is uh, Michael Darda, um, and I forgot to write down his information here. But um, Darda is, um, is chief economist at uh, 
at Roth uh, Roth Investments. He was on Bloomberg on Thursday discussing discussing the uh, the economy more generally and the Fed's reaction to it. Let me play this. This is cut five, please. Just focus on those. I mean, the discussion would probably rapidly shift uh, to when is the Fed going to raise rates again, which you at least have a small minority of folks talking about. But we had some other data that was actually quite soft. Uh, Retail sales for January missed fairly weak internals. Industrial production and manufacturing were also soft. So in the broad context, I I think the data is more mixed, uh, but no doubt about it, those Fed minutes I do think were revealing in the sense that uh, we do see the Fed continuing to push back on both the timing and the magnitude of the easing that was expected coming into the year. And I think the, so to me, it sounds to me like the Federal Reserve is actually also engaging in some self-examination and and the fact that they've been doing this for a while hit the market this week. I told you there was very little data in this past week. There was one piece that I've not talked about that I really should, which is which is the minutes of the Fed's meeting from at the end of January were published. Uh, they always are published three weeks after the after the meeting is over and um, and and came out. Uh, and and I'm just going to read you uh, bits of uh, two paragraphs from it to make sure you 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 understand. Now I always remind people the minutes are basically a written document to tell you how they want to present what happened. Minutes are not transcripts. We do not know what each person in the room said. This is a summary of the discussion. I. For some years, I was the, I was the uh, secretary of the uh, Department of Economics here at SCSU. I wasn't the, before I was the chair. I was the person who took the minutes, and I would summarize a meeting we had, and I would send around a document. And as you might guess, because we were at that time about a dozen, maybe maybe fourteen. PhD economists, everyone wanted to to wordsmith the document. I'm like, nobody reads this dang thing. This is just for our posterity telling you what happened, okay? But they would always want to edit this. Well, this is what happens at the Fed. You have an, an official who's writing down these minutes, and before they are published, they are circulated, and people will wordsmith the document. So this is the Fed presenting itself to you. And my point also being they know this thing's going to be released. And it's my belief that the Fed's officials, the the presidents and the governors, get out into the public and tell you what uh, tell you basically what you should interpret from those minutes. Um two points that I think are very important. One of them I've been hinting at to you for months that finally came out in the minutes and did not get discussed during the press conference, which I think is fascinating. And I haven't had enough time and the stuffy head has been keeping me from spending much time thinking about 
how is this exactly going to work? But, but I'll tell you about that one. But let me tell you this first one first. Uh, participants highlighted the uncertainty associated with how long a restrictive monetary policy stance would need to be maintained. Now listen carefully. Most participants noted the risk of moving too quickly to ease the stance of policy and emphasized the importance of carefully assessing incoming data in judging whether inflation is moving down sustainably to 2%. A couple of participants, however, pointed to downside risk to the economy associated with maintaining an overly restrictive stance for too long. The two words you've got, you've got to hear carefully in that I tried to emphasize most moving too quickly versus couple pointed to downside risk. Meaning those words are important. They tell you that the Fed is actually trying to signal there's risk if we try to move rates down too quickly. This is why you saw further easing of the bets on easing monetary policy. They, they've backed off those bets for the May, not just for March. March is, March is not going to change. We're not going to see a change in March. But the betting on May has now moved to the point where it is more likely the Fed does not change in May than changes, which was not true two weeks ago. The Fed has been consistently signaling to market participants to stop acting like you're going to get four or five rate cuts. That is simply not going to happen. Last week we played for you, uh, um, why am I blanking on her name, Mary Daly at the San Francisco Fed, who said said basically in reaction when the hostess, uh, the the moderator said, I am... uh, you said in December that three rate cuts might be might be or January that three rate cuts might be out there. She says that, and she sort of said yes, and that that's certainly a good baseline, meaning that she hasn't backed off three cuts. As you will hear coming up, other market participants or other FOMC participants were giving the same signal getting people to understand how uncertain this environment is and the fact that the market somehow is continuing to grow, at least on its headline numbers, while the Fed is saying, not so fast, rates are not coming down so fast, and there's the possibility that inflation is going to stay stuck at higher levels, seems not to have permeated financial markets just yet, at least the stock market, not yet. But on interest rates, it's a different matter. We'll talk about both of those right after this. The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Experiencing an injury or illness? Wondering if you'll be able to keep your job or when you can return to work? The Minnesota Retain program may be able to help. Participants may qualify for free support from experts who can guide you through the next steps to get you back to work quickly and safely. Visit mnretain.com or call 507-284-4537 to learn more. Minnesota Retain is fully funded under a grant awarded by the U.S. Department of Labor and the Social Security Administration. This message is brought to you by Minnesota Retain, this station, and the Minnesota Broadcasters Association. 
Association. How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right. For about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning-fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing-fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But you're going to love it. And you're going to love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than 2 bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. And our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-846-2124. 800-846-2124. 800-846-2124. 800-846-2124. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, Being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. You're not going to like my answer, Daryl. Oh, boy. Number one, either your house sells or you cut bait. I wouldn't close on the deal unless the other one's gone. Got it. What I am just describing is very emotional because what I just did is I stuck a pin in your dream and blew it up. And that is heartbreaking. I never tell people to own two houses at once. One foot on the boat, one on the dock, the dock's leaving. Your butt's going to get wet. Rent free from debt with The Ramsey Show. Weekday afternoons, 1 to 4, live on The Biz 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. 651-289-4477, number to call with your questions and comments. King Banyan Show, part of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Uh, Mitch Berg coming up uh, this afternoon, 1 to 3 on AM 12A, The Patriot. And, uh, of course, uh, Brad Carlson tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, let me, um, there are people who don't understand when I say that. I don't get it. Um, come on. Does it, does, is there any station like a TV land or a Nick at Night or something like that that does the old Batman TV series? All right, research staff. I need you to. I need you to look at this, because if they're not out there, they are. They are gems. They are just gems. They have to be seen. Um, to <laughs> you won't even believe it uh, when you when you see them. Anyway, um, here's the other thing that was in the minutes that caught my eye, and hat tip to Bill McBride at Calculated Risk Blog for highlighting the the key sentence on this on this paragraph. 
uh, in his report on the minutes publication. Um, because you could have easily missed this. I don't think it's been reported much, but I think it's worth a conversation because I don't, we don't know how this is going to work. And as I said, I'm just, as soon as I can get my head to, uh, to settle down from, uh, the, the, the sinus issues I'm having, I want to spend some time thinking about what does this process look like? You will recall that the Fed, of course, engaged in quantitative easing, right? It greatly expands the balance sheet. Banks with money at the Federal Reserve are currently earning 5.4% interest on that money from the Fed, which is more than the Fed makes on its assets. It's contributing to the fact that the Federal Reserve is running at a loss, which is choosing to simply to, for lack of a better term, paper over it's basically putting a big iou out there to say when we go back to earning money on our portfolio we'll pay this back to whom to themselves it's the beauty of being able to print your own cash anyway that's that's a discussion for another time but at any rate the fed has been reducing its holdings of Treasury assets and mortgage-backed security assets, and has taken about 1.3 to 1.4 trillion off the balance sheet since June of 22. Um, and I have said to you on this show multiple times: before they can reduce the rate, the Fed funds rate, they will have to resolve what they're going to do with quantitative tightening which has been going on now for, math in my head, 20 months. Sure enough, paragraph in the minutes, to the best of my knowledge, undiscussed at the press conference, undiscussed at the, uh, undiscussed at the press conference, undiscussed in the, in the minutes of the uh, meeting. In light of ongoing reductions of the overnight reverse repurchase facility, this is the, here's, uh, let me just interject. This is, this is the method by which the Fed has been managing markets when it knows it doesn't really have a functioning federal funds market. It doesn't because the Fed funds market worked in a world of scarce reserves where banks had to participate in acquiring reserves in a Fed funds market so that they could meet their reserve requirements. They have not needed to do that since the pandemic. Reserves have been uh, plentiful. So instead, they've had this other market happening to do repurchase agreements so that they can manage their reserves with each, so that banks could put out their reserves, bring their reserves back, and so forth. In light of ongoing reductions in the usage of overnight reverse repurchase agreements, meaning the banks are storing their money at the Fed and not lending them out between each other, many participants suggested it would be appropriate to begin in-depth discussions of balance sheet issues at the committee's next meeting to guide an eventual decision to slow the pace of runoff, i.e., QT is coming to an end. When will it? We don't know. Because read on. Some participants, so when I hear many, I think to myself, 
around half, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. When I hear most, like I heard in the previous segment, about the most, about, uh, about the uh, pace of reductions of the Fed funds rate, most means well more than half. A couple means two, right? So the next sentence starts here after they said many, many participants uh, suggested it would be appropriate to begin in-depth discussions of balance sheet issues. The next, next sentence starts, some participants, smaller than the many, some participants remarked that given the uncertainty surrounding estimates of the ample level of reserves, slowing the pace of runoff could help smooth the transition to that level of reserves or could allow the committee to continue balance sheet runoff for longer, reducing the pace but expanding the, but expanding the time in which you're continuing to allow a little to run off. In addition... A few participants noted that the process of balance sheet runoff could continue for some time even after the committee begins to reduce the target range for the Fed funds rate. That is, you could have it simultaneously a reduction in a reduction in the balance sheet and a loosening of financial conditions by reducing the Fed funds rate at the same time. I don't know who these few people are, but it's like you better explain that to me because I don't get it. There were a couple Fed officials. There were several Fed officials out talking in the in uh, in the financial press this week or at meetings this week. Uh, Patrick Harker, he is the president of the Philadelphia Fed. Part of his district is the state of Delaware. He was in Newark, Delaware, at I don't know what the function was, but he was in Newark making some remarks about about this and talked about this issue of. What's the rate at which we need to cut the Fed funds rate? He says this to begin with, cut number one. Cut one. Regardless, the data overall suggests that we are in the final mile of the marathon of getting PCE inflation back down to our target annual rate of 2%. However, as anyone can tell you who's ever run a marathon, that last mile is often the hardest. Indeed it is, sir. <laughs> Indeed it is. I've never run a marathon. My daughter's run several. I've run half marathons, and even there, the last mile is pretty dang hard. Uh, I can tell you. Uh, so it's hard, to be sure. And so he's talking about, so this means that he's trying to signal, hey, getting from 3% to 2% could be very difficult. Um, there are people who believe that the, it's the Fed's fault because they signaled a move toward easing back in December, which might now be a mistake. But it, and, and that's why folks like Harker are out trying to tell you, hey, that last mile is going to be kind of hard. Right? He continues. Cut two. <clears throat> well, let me get the headline statement out of the way right now. Yes, I do believe that we may be in the position to see rates decrease this year. But I would caution anyone from looking for it right now and right away. We have time to get it right, as we must. And the part of the problem then is, then if you meant that, have you made too many, did you make mistake in December in sort of signaling the next move was going to be to ease? Because you now have to get yourself to think that perhaps that's not true. That 
Instead, the next move might, in fact, be to tighten. Philip Jefferson, who's the vice chair, he's one of the he's one of the governors, and he's the vice chair of the Fed for supervision, uh, not 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 for supervision, but for monetary policy, replacing. Uh, oh, my brain is just just messed up today. So, uh, oh, Lael Brainerd, excuse me, um, replacing Brainerd on on the board. Jefferson was out at. Uh, was at uh, the the Peterson Institute for International Economics in D.C. at a think tank also on Thursday and had this to say. This is cut three. Former Fed Chair Paul Volcker stressed this danger in the 1981 speech when he pointed to 1967 as a year when monetary policy eased in response to concerns about slowing economic growth and reduced inflation concerns Yet, inflation subsequently turned back up. The 67-ish point was back in 67. I, was, I forgot to look this up, but I wanted to look up the minutes of those particular meetings. I actually have a, I have a, seri- I have a set of minutes to meetings going back pretty much since World War II. And the, um, the behavior of the Fed in 67 You'll recall, right, that you had gone through 65, 66. This is the middle of the Vietnam War. You had the economy growing, but the first signs of inflation had come up in 65 and 66 and started to decline in early 67. The Fed had raised rates. You had the Johnson administration borrowing money to prosecute the war. And there was a lot of complaining from the Johnson White House that, these rates were too high. And so the Fed backed off briefly to reduce, to sort of get, basically to get the White House off their back. And sure enough, inflation reaccelerated shortly thereafter. Paul Volcker always, always used, uh, credit to Jefferson for reading the history here. Um, Paul Volcker frequently cited 67 as the first instance of a true stop-go monetary policy, okay? Stopping a raise in rates. Actually, actually, I believe 67, there's a cut somewhere in the first half of the year, and then you have to raise rates again in the second half of the year. And to, it, to people that remember Volcker, like Jefferson, the memory of that is that that's how you got yourself in big trouble, because it costs you credibility from the Fed. Let me play just the, I'm going to play the one last clip I have here. This was Philip Jefferson at the Peterson Institute in D.C. on Thursday. Cut four. Finally, another observation from reviewing past episodes is that careful easing in the July 1995 easing cycle allowed the FOMC to assess incoming data and other information to make sure that inflation was under control. As I noted earlier, the July 1995 easing cycle is associated with the so-called perfect soft landing. In this particular easing cycle, the FOMC started to ease as it observed a lessening in inflation concerns, left rates unchanged for three meetings as it waited for more information, and then continued to ease. Now that part is fascinating. Why? 
because it says we could cut rates once and watch and see, and we could wait multiple meetings before we cut again, which is what happened in 95. By the way, this is the moment in which uh, people started to use the word maestro to describe Alan Greenspan, because that's the Greenspan Fed that did that back in 1995. Um, that part is super interesting. I better take a break here, so we got a little time on the other side here. Uh, one last segment of the King Banyan Show coming up here on The Biz, 1440. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Minnesota High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. The Ramsey Show. I found a job that's very rewarding, but they're going to work me like a dog. It's a 70-hour work week. 70 hours a week. Man's not, woman's not created to work like that. Indefinite? Yeah, that's an indefinite situation. You married? I am not married. You won't be. Yeah, you could do it for a short term. Don't sell out for something that just looks good. It's got to be good in all aspects. Make your first million. Listen to The Ramsey Show, live this afternoon from 1 to 4. Listen to The King Banyan Show Saturday mornings at 9 here on The Biz 1440. It's the latest economic news, trade information, your monthly jobs report, and much more. Join us this Saturday morning live on The Biz 1440. The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440 final segment today. Thank you for uh, 
allowing me to uh, get through this show with a little bit of a throat and a throat and sinus challenge. Um, appreciate it very much. I think it's very interesting that uh, Vice Chair Jefferson from the Fed cites the 67 and 95 episodes. I don't have time to talk about both. I only have a little bit of time. But let me tell you briefly about 67. Some, some of you, I was still, I was a boy back then, so I, I didn't really live it. But I spent a lot of time researching this. I, was, I noted on one of my tweets using the hashtag pound KBRS, I wrote my dissertation on political business cycles. Uh, and the 67 episode is one of those episodes that's there, but it was actually something that eventually convinced me that maybe my political story that I told in my dissertation wasn't 100% right. That period between 1965 and 1967 was a repeated episode of where the head of the Fed at that time, uh, the chair was named William McChesney Martin. He served for quite some time. He had issues with the Johnson White House, but because Johnson insisted that the Fed and that the that monetary and fiscal policy had to be coordinated, which was fine, except for the fact that the Federal Reserve, or I say Martin, was continually lied to by the White House. The White House continued to spend money on prosecuting the war at far greater rates than they were announcing to the public. I, I just dug out uh, not I don't have my I don't have his magisterial history of the Federal Reserve, but I have Alan, one of Alan Meltzer's papers that I was able to pull up during the break to review in my head how this argument worked. And that's how I remember this. Martin said he warned the country about inflation many times. He accepted reappointment in 1967 and remained until his term ended in 1970 without implementing the policy actions that he favored to achieve price stability and to protect the gold stock. Remember, right, we were on the gold, we were on the, not really the classical gold standard, but the gold dollar standard back at that time where we tied our price of the dollar to gold and everyone else tied to it. Of course, Arthur Burns comes after that, pointed by Nixon, and the gold window closes uh, closes in 71. Um, but the main argument in 1965 uh, that Johnson had made was that Martin was to wait until until Johnson announced the budget estimates in 1967. But according to Meltzer, the, act, the, the estimates were, were just bad. So I'm quoting Alan Meltzer here. This is a paper that was published at the, by the St. Louis Federal Reserve Review back in, in 2005. In November 1965, the working estimate called for $105 billion of total spending in fiscal 1967, I'll repeat that number, $105 billion total spending. We now spend three, four, five, six trillion dollars, $6 trillion and don't even bat an eyelash. By mid-January, estimated spending had increased from that 105 to 106.4 for fiscal 66 and 112.8 for 1967. But the 1967 estimate assumed that ordinary spending for the Vietnam War ended in December of 1966. They were using fantastical estimates of spending in that period. Can you promise me between now and the end of 2024 that we will not have at least one fiscal policy shock? And I'm not even talking about 
the partial government shutdown that's that may come on March 1st because I, I, I think they'll f- simply kick that can down the road here sometime in the next few days. I, I actually am not worried about that that one much at all. But are you sure there won't be one of those shocks? So I'll go you back. I'll go back to my my statement I made to you at the beginning of the hour. If I offered you a bet, you give me a dollar if interest rates if the Fed doesn't raise rates once in the next in the next seven meetings, I'll give you a hundred if they do it at least once. After everything you've heard in the last two hours, what would you do? What would you do with that? I think you'd have to think about it. You'd have to think about it. I mean, yeah, it's most likely I'm going to send you a dollar at the end of the year, but but there's some small chance that I might get 100 bucks. Yeah, I might take that bet. I might indeed. So I think I think the Fed's got itself a, it's backed itself a little bit into a corner. It's trying to get out of that corner by saying, hey, don't get too addicted to your forecasts right now. And I can tell you that's what I'm doing. I'm not I'm not at all I'm trying to be super careful about predicting anything in this post pandemic world at this stage. Hey, thank you so much for listening today, Spencer. Thank you for the work down there as well. We'll talk to you next week here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. More than 200 members of Congress are standing up for AM radio listeners. The AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act will keep AM radio in cars because when cell and Internet services are down, this free service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress to pass this critical legislation now. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to four messages a month and you may text stop to stop. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Be honest about who is taking advantage of us and keeping us divided. To be black in America today is to be labeled and used. But it's not because America is a systemically racist country. It is not. It is not. It's not. It's because the loudest voices who say they have all the answers are actually the problem. There are progressive forces and organizations dividing us as a people and as a country. They stoke hatred and division to hide the real problems and keep us angry. We've seen this pattern repeat itself over and over again. We have to take a new course. And now is the time to return to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. Take Charge Minnesota believes that America works for everyone, regardless of race or social standing. Please help counter the cultural narrative by watching the film I Am a Victor this month. Go to AM1280 The Patriot and click on the I Am a Victor banner on the homepage. And you can get more information by going to TakeChargeMN.com. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and
and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own. Whether it's for your personal system or business, Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems a boot. Arby's Computer Service. Overcoming debt can be daunting. Whether your debt is manageable or has six zeros behind it, there's hope. Tune in to The Ramsey Show for a common-sense approach to breaking free from debt, building wealth, and enhancing your life. For decades, Dave has been helping people take control of their financial lives, one baby step at a time. So listen to The Ramsey Show. You may just hear a caller story similar to your own. Weekdays from 1 p.m. to 4 on The Biz 1440. If you're wondering, what's the four... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.